Welcome to Inside the Agency. I'm your host, Michelle Govan. I'm your co-host, Nicole Shawcross. Is it cocktail hour yet? <laughs> Not quite. That's a I'm counting down. How <laughs> I know early is too early to drink during the pandemic. I'm not sure. We have the wonderful Jade Sherman from the digital department of A3, formerly Abrams Artists Agency in Los Angeles, here to talk to us about digital, the digital world of acting or promoting. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you, Nicole, for having me. We don't have any fancy backdrops. Nicole, we might have to get on this. Jade looks like she's in Hawaii. <laughs> she does. <laughs> you have to manifest where you want to be to make it happen. I like that. That's good. So I'm manifesting myself on a beach with my feet in the water and the palm trees behind me. I like it. I had it. my feet in the water at the beach yesterday, but it was very cold because Vancouver isn't that warm right now. <laughs> <laughs> so Jay, let's just dive in and talk about your start. I mean, you're well known as one of the top digital agents in Hollywood. Wow. So how, how did you get here? How did you become the VP of digital for Abrams, aka um, A3? So I started, I um, was, I'm very into sports. Sports was definitely my passion. I played soccer in college. And um, when I came back from school, I came back to LA and I wanted to work in sports. That's all I wanted to do. And so I got an internship at a baseball agency um, with focus primarily on major league baseball players. And then the guy who hired me as his intern left and started his own company and so I kind of like Jerry Maguire'd it. And I was like, can I come with you? Uh, I, I was not Renee Zellweger. I was like the fish that they brought. I was no one. Um, so he said, yeah, just meet at my house. We're starting a company, you know, next week. And so um, I started there and, and eventually I got hired. And that was in 2009, 2010. And um, slowly, you know, over the years, it became very apparent that social media was what everyone was doing and, and where, especially when you're talking about baseball players that are developing into major league players, they're young, they're 20, they're 21. They just got some, some go from high school um, into playing in the minors and some obviously graduate college, but they're really young people. And so everything was taking place on social media. And it was something I was also young at the time and I was very passionate about it. And so I kind of presented the opportunity to my company. And I was like, Hey, can I just start the digital department at the sports agency? And just, I'll do everything associated with social media. I'll do deals that come through on social media, but I'll also help with the connections to the platforms and I'll just be the go-to social media person. And I think no one wanted to do it. And so they were like, sure. And it was a really good selling point to a lot of the younger guys that were coming up. And, um, they were able to say like, Oh, you know, I, I have, this many Twitter followers, can you get me verified? And that was like a big deal to get verified. And so <laughs> it um, still feels like it is. <laughs> yeah, it really does. But on Twitter, just, you yeah. know, people, people still want to get verified on Instagram, but Twitter was like a really big deal back in the day. Yeah. And so it was like, a, it was good for the company. It was great for me. Um, I developed a lot of really strong relationships in the social space. And um, I was there for five and a half years. And then I decided you know, there's never going to be baseball players were making so much money in their contracts. Like all of the money in baseball is guaranteed, which is unlike a lot of other sports. So if you sign a 10 year deal for $300 million, you will have those $300 million, whether you get hurt or 
you don't play as much or you, you know, start sucking. So start sucking. <laughs> I, I was like, I don't think any guy is going to care about like a social media deal um, as much as he's going to care about playing baseball, which is exactly what he should focus on. That's where the real money is. So uh, I was presented with an opportunity to come to what was formerly known as Abrams Artist Agency um, to start doing what I did from like baseball players, start doing it with influencers. Um, and it was really just digital content creators and people uh, who had large social followings, whether they're actors or voiceover actors or um, anyone and anyone who had like a social following. And so started that in 2015, end of 2014, beginning of 2015. And I've been at A3 ever since. So it's wow. been five and a half years too. I've only You're had a few a jobs. Pioneer. I can't believe you compared yourself to the fish that Jerry Maguire took in the movie. I forgot that he grabbed the fish and he goes, the fish are coming with me. Yep. <laughs> I was one of those little fish. I didn't have much going on, but I was like, please let me take me with you. And so it was funny I had the nickname of Jerry Maguire when I started my own agency. So there you go. Wow. I was Jerry, you were the fish. We're still here. <laughs> we're doing it. We're making shit happen. We're back together. What's some yeah. of the translations that you found coming from a sports background, getting into actors or the entertainment industry? I mean, you know, their talent. I think that's the biggest thing. And that kind of goes across everyone that we work with, whether they're, you know, what's uh, known as an influencer, but I like to call them like digital content creators or digital native talent or actors or even you know, experts like doctors, um, or can go into athletes, like they are talent in their own rights and whatever they're doing. Um, and it's how do you leverage that platform that you've built into finding opportunities, whether it be promoting brands or promoting your own brand, whether you start your own company, um, it's how do you get that message out leveraging the platform that you've built. And so I think that kind of crosses over to anyone who's on social media. Are you looking for your influencers and clients to have a certain level of followers? Like what's kind of your bare minimum that you look for, for people listening? I don't think that there is a bare minimum. I think, um, there's obviously, it, it helps to have a large following. I think that's kind of, that's obvious, but I think more so it helps to have a specific point of view and like mm -hmm. a, a niche and an expertise in whatever you're talking about. And so, especially if you look at it from the brand side, you know, why would a brand like Legos want to work with a family influencer? Why would they want to work with a mom? They want to work with a mom because that they're communicating to all the other moms that you should go buy Legos. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have that expertise and that authority in the space for brands to be interested in working with you. And so I think that that's where it can get tricky with actors is that they're known for playing characters. So it's hard sometimes for brands to be able to look at an actor and say, oh, I want to work with you and you have X amount of millions of followers because sometimes it doesn't translate. But there are a lot of actors and actresses that have built their platforms as being authentically themselves. Mm -hmm. And anyone who does that successfully, I think has a really strong potential of making a lot of money because you have the platform when you're very media, you know, mediable, where media wants to talk to you. If you post something, it's, they pick it up, which is important to brands. But it also, you have that platform that you've built that's super authentic that your followers also listen to you and also kind of hear, hear what you're saying and, and either want to follow that call to action that you posted or um, buy whatever you're selling. So I think that it's that sweet spot of being yourself, um, but also having that large platform. Do you have any like do's or don'ts for, let's say someone starting out in the industry that um, has, you know, very small social media following right now. They're just kind of starting out. Is there any content that you would recommend that they start 
posting about or any don'ts that they should not be posting about? Well, I think obviously, you know, if, if the goal is to eventually work with brands, if that is a goal, you want to make sure you're posting family friendly content and content that isn't, you know, you're not swearing, you're not naked, you know, you're, you're drinking, <laughs> no drugging. Yeah. <laughs> PG, and sometimes even PG 13, but like for the most part, stay away from the rated R content. Um, but I think the biggest thing is you should be posting things that you're excited about and that you want your audience to know that you love because that will come through in the content. If you start posting things because, you know, if you eventually want to get a beauty brand deal and you start posting makeup and you actually hate makeup and like, it's so obvious throughout the content, no one's going to buy what you're selling. So I think for the most part, like you want to keep it authentic and, and what you're excited about, because that does come through the content, whether it's a photo or a video or the caption. Um, you just want to make sure you stay true to who you are. And we were talking before we started, before we started recording, that you were saying that digital is very busy. Tell us about some juicy things you can tell us about or what's happening. Because obviously filming, being stunted for so long, you know, things like voice work and digital work was still moving forward. Yeah. So do you guys not have a stall at all? No. We had had like a two-week stall, I'd say, in the beginning of March, where everyone was like, what's going on? Like, like, what? This is very new world. And yeah. then everyone's like, oh, we're over it. And so the, the two-week call stopped. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, as you mentioned, like productions can't move forward. And so when you're talking about brands um, and people creating content for, you know, whether it's for advertising or marketing or whatever it is, they couldn't do that anymore. And so they mm-hmm. had to go to talent who could create content on their own and get the messaging out that we need to get the messaging out. So I think the biggest thing, you know, if you're talking about, um, a company that says, hey, you can still get all of your stuff that you need during this pandemic, whether it be like wipes or hand sanitizer or masks, like how are they going to get that message out to people if they don't have a platform and they can't hire a production company to create that content? They go to an influencer. So the influencer has a distribution platform. They have the ability to make all of the content on their own. And I mean, you, the content now on YouTube and on Instagram, like it's so high quality that you really don't miss any of the big production. Um, that, and I think a lot of brands have, have noticed and they, they probably say, wow, we are paying 15 times more than we should have for the same type of content. So yeah. it hasn't slowed down. It's been great. And I think, um, you know, brands have been able to tap into the content creators to help get their messaging out, which has been really helpful. So have are you been- finding it more successful going through influencers than regular advertising? You know, I think in terms of digital, you know, if you work with an influencer that obviously puts some authority behind the content that you're posting, in terms of like traditional TV advertising, I don't know the stats on that because it's not really my world, but I feel like, you know, everyone lives on their phone now and everyone's on social media and like, so I, I don't know what the ROI difference is, but I can tell you that they're spending a lot more money in digital now. Yeah. I'm curious, are you looking for new talent or are you kind of at a max? Because obviously all of us say that we're not really looking, but we are always looking, right? So where are the agencies right now? Because I mean, you're one of the biggest digital agents I know in Hollywood. So are you guys looking for new faces? Are you constantly looking for someone interesting and amazing or do you have a full roster? How do you feel? I would say we're always looking. Yeah. Because there's always someone amazing and always someone special that, you know, 
you, we have such amazing talent on our roster and we'd like to say, you know, stand behind what we say to them, which is we're going to work really hard for you and bust our butt. And, you know, we, we try. And I think for the most part, that's why we have such a strong reputation in the space because we don't over promise, but we over deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, and we work really, really hard. So, you know, we're focused on a lot of the talent that we represent, but if someone amazing and special comes on, you know, we'll find a way to make it work. And we're always looking. Is there anything special or attributes that you are looking for um, or that stand out for you? Yeah. I I think it will always be someone who has a strong point of view. And so in the pandemic, you know, there are voices that popped up, um, and, you know, created a name for themselves in the space. And so, you know, one that we currently do represent and we have represented is Dr. Mike. And Dr. Mike, during the coronavirus with all of the misinformation and myths out there, like he's been a huge and trusted voice in the space. And mm-hmm. so if there was someone similar to that, but, you know, I'm obviously, that's who we represent. So um, can talk more about him. But those are voices that you might not have paid attention to in the past or or just may have had their moment now and you've, you've been able to discover them. So I think... Um, it's anyone who has a strong point of view and whatever they're talking about and whatever those moments in culture are, they, they might pop up and, and have their moment. And so we're always on the lookout for those types of people. I think something I want to bring up is Jade and I have done some digital negotiating in the past. Uh, I want to bring up that a lot of influencers, especially the newer ones, even if they do have like a 60K, 100K, 200K following, sometimes will do their own negotiations. I mean, I want to talk about that. Look at your face. You're like, yeah, this is where we get into trouble. I think a lot of people don't realize how valuable an agent is. Do you want to bring up some stories or situations and just oh. let people know that? I mean, I know people have been offered like $500 or something that you could get them 20K. You know, this is the difference, yeah. right? I think that's the, it's kind of frustrating because there's a little bit of some short-sightedness when people are like, oh, but then I have to give up 10%. And then they'll realize like, <laughs> we're going to make you like 200% more. Yeah. Um, I think what what people should know is that we have access to so much information and we have so many other talent that are on our roster that we're constantly sharing information within the agency. And so we might know what every other talent is being paid on a campaign and you might just do it on your own because you don't want to, you don't want to give over the 10%, but you might be selling yourself so short. And then once you lock yourself into a rate with that, you know, ad agency or influencer agency, that company might only pay you that from now on. And yeah. even when you bring me on in the future, I won't be able to negotiate and get it as high because you've told them that you are willing to take a fee that is significantly lower than what you deserve. They started a precedent. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's, it is really like believing and having faith that the person that you hired to represent you is going to represent you in the way that is best for you. And, you know, there's that leap of faith. And I think that obviously now it does help that we've had almost, I've had almost five and a half years of experience kind of setting that tone for myself and people know to trust me and and go to me on that. But uh, it's just such a tricky, it's just so tricky when, when people, and then they also could look at the contract or they can look at the deal and lock themselves into exclusivity that they didn't know. That's what I was just going to bring up. The exclusivity you and I have dealt with is like three days a week where there's no conflict. Some people will sign a year, two years where they can't do competitive brand. And that you're just cutting your, 
yourself off at the knees. Like, don't do this to yourself. And you don't know that that's just not normal in the industry anymore. Like right. that was the case in like commercials, you know, commercials had that exclusivity that carried on for six months or a year. Whereas in digital, it's like, you know, as long as the Instagram post isn't like the most, the most recent three posts, no one cares. So kind of the standard in exclusivity could be a week now and you might sell yourself short in six months. So exclusivity is a big thing. And then usage is a big thing. I think people don't really understand what goes into usage and paid usage and whitelisting and boosting. Those are real terms that carry real consequences, you know, in the campaign. So if you agree to usage, you're agreeing to allow your, the company to use your name and likeness in advertising. And like, if you see your name and your image plastered all over Instagram and paid ads, you're going to be like, wait, what? I didn't agree to that. And you don't know that that's what's in the contract and that what, that's what usage is outlined. So it really is important to kind of just work with someone who knows the space and knows what's, what's normal and what's standard. But as we know, there's, this space is new. This is, this is an up and coming area for agents to really dive into and become smart and, and well knowledge or get better knowledge in this, yeah. this division. But it's so new. Like someone like me, when I heard about digital and we had to start negotiating digital, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm like, I need to reach out and do some research. That's the thing. We always talk about make sure you have the right reps, make sure you have the right people that can protect you and negotiate right for you. Now, do you tend to use lawyers or do you guys do everything in-house? No, we have we have BA, but most of our clients have their own attorneys. Right. Okay. Um, so you do recommend attorneys though, if it's a larger okay. influence, yeah, influencing contract. Well, yeah. I think more so because there's a lot of deals. Like mm-hmm. a, a influencer or a, um, celebrity talent that has a great social platform and brands. Like there's a lot of incoming work. And so you need someone kind of checking that over and making sure that you're fine and there's no conflicts and that you're protected. And and the deal terms that we as the agent have closed are reflected within that agreement. And so I love attorneys. I love them so much. (laughs) I just want all of my friends. A huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. I find a lot of actors, again, will go cheap on the, I don't want to hire an attorney. You are doing yourself a disservice. Protect yourself with the right agent and the right attorney. You want this in writing and you want someone that has your back and making sure that you have the best deal possible. And we just want to reiterate that. And I also think in some instances, the attorney gets to be the bad cop where the Mm -hmm. agent can be the good cop. And so, especially when it comes to relationships in the brand space, like it is helpful for me to be able to do my thing and, and have my friends that I'm negotiating with and then be like, oh, and now here's the lawyer. So anything bad is going to go through the lawyer. See you later. Bye. <laughs> no, it's so true. And I think actors need to realize that agents always have to keep their relationships happy and positive. And the problem is if we go up against a point on a contract that is a bit of a deal breaker, if we bring a lawyer and he can play bad cop, we still look like, oh, I'm so sorry. The lawyer's being such a pain in the ass. Like, I don't understand why they're being so difficult. And then you still keep that relationship happy. So actors should realize that there's more to just uh, negotiating and, and, you know, making sure that the writing and the contract is done right. Oh, relationships. We had a deal and I, w- I won't say the specifics, but it was with a brand and it was with an influencer talent. And it was a, it was a, a very, a big amount of money for usage and that they asked for in the contract. And so we put a heavy price tag and they agreed and it was great. So we <laughs> the contract, 
the post went up, post went up and the brand came back. They're like, oh, we decided we're not going to use the content in the way we said. So we're just not, we're going to take that fee away. <gasps> and we're like, nope, mm -mm. that was fine. Pay your play. So, and it was pay or play and the attorney negotiated that. And then we let the attorney get back on, paid in full, never used the content. It was. Okay. You have to tell us the number. We need to know. We will never know what it is. It was six figures. Yeah, but come on. 100K, 500K. No, it was 100K. It was closer to 100K than, than the five. But it was, it was money that, you know, could have been fought and whatever. The attorney was incredible. And she was able to just go after and get it. And I was like, this is exactly why that 5% that you pay yes. is worth so much more. So much more than 5%. Yeah. So <laughs> I was just, um, I will always think of that and be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, what's the biggest digital contract you've ever closed? Um, it was... It was one one point two five for like a brand ambassador. It was just social. Oh wow! It was just that's amazing. Yeah, it was great. It's great. There are some really. I think that there's a lot of money to be made in this space. Like people would be very surprised. Um, but that was just a social deal. That's That's also not like one of those deals where you get a renewal. Like that's not taking that into consideration. That's just yes. like. It was a one-off. It was a great deal. Wow. And hopefully there will be more. So I know you talked about, you know, make sure that your message is clear, but I'm curious, what does really generate a large amount of followers? Like, do you find certain things really grab? Do you think it's more the algorithm is how often you're posting? I'm just curious on your thoughts. I think it depends. You know, Instagram um, has their own set of algorithmic rules where if you're utilizing all the products that Instagram offers, whether it's story and Instagram video and Instagram TV and now reels and you're going live, if you do all of those things and you use every product that they offer, you usually will grow at a faster rate and probably okay. be bigger. Um, YouTube has their own set of rules where it's like your sweet spot is 10 minutes and you should be able to monetize in two different areas of the video and um, you should have a clickbaity title and thumbnail should be appealing. Like there's all these things and tips and tricks that you learn into growing your following. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, it just, it's putting out good quality content that people want to watch. It's as simple as that. Like it, there isn't more, I mean, other than like the algorithms and playing that game, it's just creating good high quality content. Do you feel that TikTok has really taken over? It ha I would say it hasn't taken over. But it's a huge deal and it's something that we're mm -hmm. very focused on. We, we're playing um, a lot in that space. Um, you know, it's going to be very interesting. I don't know when this podcast will come out, but in the next, it seems like 35 days, either TikTok will be sold or banned. So Yes, I was hearing about this and reading the article. Isn't it? I was going to ask you that question as well. It's going to be very interesting. I think, you know, I've read a lot of the articles that are coming out. I've seen Microsoft is is in talks to buy it. I heard Twitter is now in talks to buy it. I think it's a great product to use and, and to buy. I would fully support it, but it's going to come with a lot of uh, government oversight. And so I think whatever company that does buy it needs to be prepared that the government's going to very much keep an eye on it. And so I heard that's one of the reasons that Microsoft might not want to buy it, but I have no idea. I'm just excited to see what happens. Obviously, Instagram debuting their product reels 
I, it was a good time to do it when talks of TikTok were being banned was uh, being discussed. So we'll see what ends up happening. I feel like this could be a completely different conversation in a month. So something definitely. You will, you will air very quickly. Do you guys want to elaborate on what the article was to the people listening? About TikTok? Yeah. So TikTok is owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance. And, you know, the company has to report, according to the Chinese government, any of the data um, that's associated with their company. And I, I don't know to what extent that is. Like, I don't know how involved they are. But I think that is like a requirement of being a Chinese-owned company. Like, you have to do something with the Chinese government. And that is a lot. Uh, it's a huge issue for the U.S. government to have all of our citizens' data being sent over to China. Um, and who knows what the Chinese are going to be doing with it. So that's the premise of why Trump um, is looking to ban it. Right. And he is allowing uh, TikTok to be sold to a U.S. company. Um, and that sale has to happen by September 15th, if I'm not mistaken. And if it doesn't happen by September 15th, it's banned. Right. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, China bans all of our networks. All of you know, they, ban, they ban Facebook, they ban Twitter, they ban Instagram. So it's like, it is what it is. Like it's, it's par for the course. So we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any influencers currently on TikTok that are oh, yeah. concerned about this? I wouldn't say that they're concerned. I think the biggest thing that we always tell our clients to do is diversify their platforms that they're creating content on. So mm -hmm. for the most part, as much as our clients, the big ones, especially that are on TikTok, they've also established their platform on Instagram. Um, and they've, a lot of them have started YouTube channels and we're in talks with all of the platforms, whether it be YouTube or Instagram, to give them our TikTok talent, like best practices on how they can really um, utilize those platforms um, to make sure that they're as successful as they are on TikTok. So I think it would be crazy if a U.S. company doesn't buy up TikTok. I mean, come on, this is this is a huge opportunity. I so. think too, a lot of celebrities got involved during quarantine because they got nothing else to do and they're all yeah. at home like everyone else. So mm -hmm. I think it's interesting because I I feel like I don't know about you, Jade, but I feel like TikTok has very much been on the rise for a few years. And I don't know. I'm sure there was even more of an influx during COVID. For sure, Huge. You know, TikTok was yeah. musically before it was before it merged, and we actually signed a talent off musically um, two years ago, and then put her as the lead of a Nickelodeon show. Like the the platform has always had influence; mm -hmm. uh, it's always been a great place to find talent. Um, and then when it merged with TikTok, obviously the the content I, it went from like lip singing and dancing to like a lot more. It was a lot more verticals that it covered, um, and so. During quarantine, when no one had anything to do, and you know Chinese bite dance was able to learn how to mess with your face algorithm, so they know what you're watching and they know how to keep you on the platform. People spent people. I spent two and a half hours every night, like on TikTok, because it was just so mindless and easy. And they knew <laughs> what I liked, like their algorithms were so good that they knew exactly what kind of content I wanted to watch and just kept serving it to me. And I was like, well, I guess I should stay on. Keeps giving you donuts every night. Keeps the sweet tooth. Oh my gosh. Do you have any excellent, um, really great stories or success stories of people that you found on TikTok and that have, you know, or Instagram in their career? Um, I'm trying to think, you know, we have on, I, I think the musically before TikTok was a really good example because that, that obviously had the leeway. It's been a couple of years since that happened. TikTok is obviously still, obviously still so new. So there's a lot of things like in development and, you know, there's a lot of talent that are, you know, being discovered and 
um, there's just, there's so many excellent stories to come out of TikTok because it's like 15 second, 30 second short form videos that are building like real celebrities and real talent into, you know, a big deal. So we'll see in the next couple of months, like what, what projects start coming out from, from big talent, but, um, so it's, it's a crazy space. Do you see any new platforms emerging with all of this, you know, as on the rise, as digital is on the rise? Yeah. So, um, Triller has been around for quite some time and it, I think pre COVID it was probably more used by like the music industry and the musicians. Um, then COVID happened and people started kind of going on to Triller a lot more. And then TikTok had the announcement of they might be banned and Triller just shot up in the rankings because it's also short form content. It's very digestible. Um, so that most recently has seen a huge boom because of the news about TikTok. So I'd say Triller is definitely one of those platforms to watch and see what happens based off of what goes on with TikTok. But um, there's always a platform that's up and coming that we have to keep our eye on. I mean, well, I there, think, there's sorry. a platform called Byte, which is, has nothing to do with ByteDance, which is that Chinese company, but it's just called Byte. And it's created by the founders of Vine. Mm-hmm. And so like that's around. I don't know how many people are using it, but like that's another platform that is created for, you know, influencers and social content. So we'll see what happens there. Well, I think it's important that, like we talked about, that you have to diversify. I mean, most of the contracts you and I have done, it's they want your Instagram, your Twitter, and your Facebook. I mean, Facebook, something that very few people are really using for social networking other than like posting their baby pictures or what they ate for dinner. Uh, But again, it's important to have a bunch because most of these brands want access to every social platform you're on. Yeah. So, and like you said with TikTok, I mean, my God, if you could, you imagine if they hadn't diversified, they hadn't gone on YouTube, they hadn't gone yeah. on Instagram and this does have an issue. Don't yeah. spend all this time and put all your eggs in one basket. Definitely spread the love. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's just helpful to um, just have, you have different types of content for different types of platforms. So Mm-hmm. A lot of people like keep their Instagram pristine and like, it's only the best of the best. And it's only the content that's like super polished. Whereas on TikTok, they could be more fun and easy and fun. Like it's just an easier platform to like be yourself on without having to filter or anything like that. And so I think it also just allows more creativity if you diversify your platforms, because then you can just create content for each individual platform that is exciting to you. And you don't have to feel so kind of, um, uptight about, about posting. So, yeah. What advice would you give to people who want to post about um, political opinions, that sort of thing in today's day and age? I think if it's something that you're super passionate about, you should. I mean, because it's going to, you can't be your authentic self if you're not really keeping it a hundred percent. Like you need to be yourself and some, you know, some things are more controversial than others. You should probably look at your audience and like, if you're, audience is based, you know, in the South and, you know, maybe don't talk about topics that are controversial in the South or if you're like, know your audience, know your audience. And so if your audience is like LA, New York, you can be a little bit more liberal and and (laughs) say things that you might, you know, believe and want to say. But the, the truth is, is that you, if you're really, really passionate about something, you should say it because you don't want to come off inauthentic and, and not be able to speak when, when you want. And I think, I don't know if you guys watched that Taylor Swift documentary that she posted. I did. Yeah. She was like dying to speak about like the Nashville race. 
or the Tennessee Senator, whatever race she was talking. And like, it was so sad to watch her not be able to speak on something that she was clearly so passionate about. And I'm like, life is too short. You can't, you can't be that. You just got to go with it and take the consequences if you're that excited and passionate about something or it's just going to bottle up inside you and people are going to have their own narrative for you anyways. Well, let's bring up something even more controversial. There was a lot of social media that blew up when Black Lives Matter happened and certain publicists were pushing their clients to make a statement. Mm -hmm. And like you said, if you come on and you seem nervous, scared, unauthentic, that's going to read and then you're going to get called out. Yeah. So again, you have to be your authentic self. Yeah. And I think, you know, and it's hard. It is hard when everyone's expecting you to make a statement and your silence is a statement and it can be really tricky. But I think like, again, just you have to be open and you have to say how you feel, whether it's like, Hey, I'm not as educated on this topic as I should be. I would love to learn more. Can you suggest four or five people that I can learn from as Mm -hmm. opposed to like, you know, I'm a huge ally. I'm going to post this black box on Instagram that says black lives matter and then do absolutely nothing after that. Like people also read through that. So you just want to make sure that whatever you do, you can be truthful in who you are. And so you're not covering up lies or misinformation like in the future. So that would be my best advice is just keep it a hundred, be authentic, tell your truth. What's the most fun about your job? Like what's the the best part of your job? I'm curious. I love my talent. My talent, they're so friggin' cool. Um, They're all really boss entrepreneurs. And it's, I have, I'd say 80% of my roster is women. And like, these are strong, independent women who are just running empires. And it is so cool to see. They have 100% control. There's no one telling them what to do. They decide what works and what doesn't. And it's just awesome to see and to see how a lot of these platforms have enabled a lot of these creators to just be their own boss. Um, And they're so smart. It's just fun to be, it's fun to be surrounded by awesome women. Um, The men are also great. (laughs) Shout out to the men. (laughs) But, you know, as our own kind of, we're all women and boss ladies. It's just fun to kind of see that messaging being amplified Mm -hmm. and showing that, it's possible to kind of do your own thing and and still be a boss. So I love the talent. I find it super inspiring when you see people succeed and do so well in their, in their dream and their vision. It's very inspiring on a daily basis. Yeah. I'm curious what you think of buying followers. As we know, there are companies out there that you should not buy followers, but I'd love your opinion on this. The answer is 100%. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) There's nothing good about it. Brands know right away. One, they're, they're analytic platforms that will tell you who's fake and who's not. And brands don't care as much now about the following as they do about the engagement. So if you have a million followers and you get 5,000 likes, that is terrible. That is so bad. But if you have 200,000 followers and you get 15,000 likes, that's amazing. Like brands see, wow, you've cultivated an audience that's highly engaged and is looking forward to your posts and interacting with them. So in no way is buying followers helpful because the industry is too smart now. Five years ago, when it was just a vanity number, it's like, oh, you have 5 million followers? Great, we'll give you this amount of money. It's not as dumb, unfortunately, (laughs) as it used to be. Like People are just smarter. There's a lot of analytics platforms that are out there that are showing demos and age age brackets and uh, geographical location. And sometimes like 
insights into what that audience likes and what, who they're following. And so there's too much out there in terms of data for you to be buying followers. It's just a bad idea. Everybody listening, do not buy followers. <laughs> That's like the number one takeaway if you're going to take anything <laughs> one. Do not buy followers. <laughs> Is there anything you want to give out there, any info you want to give, Jade, other than what you've said about the business or advice? I'm just curious. You could just tell us a fun story. Yeah, no, I would say I... I'm like super passionate about digital. I could talk about it forever. It's literally my favorite thing. Um, I think that there's so much opportunity out there. If you just share whatever you're excited about and passionate about, there's usually um, an audience for it. I will tell you a good story because this is not my story. I heard it at like Google's presentation for trends. So if anyone from that presentation is listening and I completely butcher it, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but he was talking about how like, how niche communities are built and like how people on YouTube build their own kind of communities. And, and it's a really special place for that. And he was saying that there is this content, there's elevator content where people will go into elevators and they'll film the elevator and be like, here are the buttons and here are the sounds it makes. And here's the view of the elevator. And they'll just show all of this about elevators. And it's so random. Um, but it had like a crazy amount of views. And so like the guy who was handling Google trends was saying he like did a deep dive into like who's watching and, and all of that. And they found that it's a really important, uh, it's important types of content for kids with autism or, or adults with autism because it's very sensory and it helps them see like all the different sounds and all these amazing things. And that, um, there was a video that one of the, a kid who had, um, I think a pretty bad case of autism he was going to meet an elevator influencer, but one of the guys who makes like all of the elevator content and this kid like doesn't react. He doesn't have, he doesn't have emotions. Like he's, he's not an emotional type of kid, but he meets this elevator influencer and like starts crying and laughing and being, and is like <laughs> static about meeting his like number one elevator influencer. And it was just like so fun and inspiring to see here, like how YouTube and social platforms can build such strong communities around the most random topics. And it's really cool. It's really cool that people have a place to go. Yeah, That's absolutely. Amazing. I've never even heard of that before. That's so crazy. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure it's not called an elevator influencer and I'm sure that the <laughs> content is called something else, but it's about elevators. So wow. it works for us. Works yeah. for us. Jade, I think also an important point that actors need to understand and, and new influencers is you don't just wait for offers to come to you. You seek them out. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing too. It's like, um, brands don't know you're excited about them if you don't say anything. So with some of our clients who are, you know, obsessed with wearing glasses or obsessed <laughs> with photography, like the, the brands might not know that because there's so many people out there, but if you put them on your radar and you're like, here's the authentic connection and why you should work with them. So like, I'd say a good amount of time it works. And, and if it doesn't, if they don't have a campaign going that immediate time, they'll think about you for the next. So I think being proactive is obviously one of the most important parts of my job and, and why we have been successful. Um, but it's also, you know, important for the talent to, to know that like their representatives are out there in the marketplace, pitching them and, and um, hustling and out there. Yeah. Yeah. What percentage of your job would you say is hustling versus people coming to you for your influencers? Oh man, I would say in the beginning, 100% hustle. <laughs> it's 
every day I'm hustling. Yeah. (laughs) We have obviously adults have reputations where people are like, oh, if we need influencers or we need celebrities with large social platforms, we're going to go to Jade. So that part has been great. Yeah. Um, but still, like, we don't sit in our laurels and just be like, oh, whoever wants to work with it. Like, we hustle. We do outreach so often. So I'd say, like, maybe it's 60% hustle, 40% incoming. But mm-hmm. that 40% was built off of 100% hustle earlier on. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's good. That is good. Yeah. I think also, too, good advice for people who are getting started on these platforms or wanting to be influencers, you got to hustle. They're not coming to you. Absolutely. You got to hustle. And it's, you know, people, I don't know if it's still to this day, but there has been like this, um, idea of like, Oh, influencers, they just take photos and post of themselves. <laughs> it is so much work. Mm-hmm. It is so much work that goes into creating content and building a social empire. Like they do that. It is 24 seven. Like some actors get to go on set and they have like their nine to five set and they have to do what they do, but then everyone goes home. Like influencers are constantly on because they have to talk about their dinner or they have to talk about their nighttime routine and they have to talk about their morning routine. They have to talk about everything that's going on in their life and your life doesn't stop. So it's like the Truman show. You're in the bubble. It really is. And I think that, um, it's, it takes a lot of time and energy and hustle on these influencers to create what they have. And was that your email that just pinged? No, that wasn't mine. Nicole. I turned off all my notes. No. I turned mine off too. That's weird. <laughs> well, someone is trying to interrupt us. <laughs> no. Nicole, do you want to ask the magic question? Uh-oh. Yes. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, I guess this might be a little bit of interesting, but what advice would you give your earlier self kind of getting into this industry or getting into digital? I think... Um, I think this would be true for everyone in any industry, but it's kind of follow what you're passionate about because the rest will come. And I think that that's obviously super cliche, but I really love digital. I've always loved digital. I love social. I loved it before there was business to be made on it. And I knew that it was something that I got up and got excited about. And so if I could make other people excited about it, that'd be great. And it's turned into this, which I never, ever would have imagined. I never thought I would be an agent. I heard the worst things about agents. And so... <laughs> Everyone never, does. <laughs> I never... I mean, my mom will tell the story because she thinks it's so funny. But I literally never thought I'd be an agent. Um, but here I am. <laughs> I'm an agent. This is the thing. Even Pamela talked about this. None of us as, as a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old went, I'm going to be an agent. It was like, I'm going to be a pet store owner. I'm going to be a vet. I'm going to be an astronaut. You know, it was those kind of things. I'm going to be a doctor. Not, I'm going to be a Jerry Maguire. I'm yeah. going to be an agent. So mm-hmm. it's funny how we all fall into it. Yeah. I think but I think you have a, mis- there's a misconception out there in the world about what agents do or what they're like. And I don't, I'm sure movies and television shows have shown yeah. a certain persona of yeah. what an agent could be. They don't paint us very well. No. And listen, some agents uh, deserve that painting. Uh, <laughs> there are a lot we of- know really, some of them. Yeah. There are a lot of really good people in the space. And I think that um, at A3, that's what's most exciting about what we do is everyone's like such a good person. And I know you had Pam on before, like good people. And that's who you want to go to work with. That's who you want to, you know, be on the, on the sidelines with and fight for talent together with like, and because I'll bring it up just because you had Pam on earlier. Like I love working with Pam. And like when she has a talent that she's excited about and I can come on board 
and work on that client's behalf and be all be on the same page to build the brand and build the business for that talent. It's awesome. And it would be really hard if the person on the other end that I was working with sucked. It'd be like really hard to be like, Oh, I guess I'll help you. Like it just, it wouldn't be fun. We talk about team camaraderie all the time. The team has got to gel, but this is what I love about a three, because if I do place an actor with your company, I do know we're going to have the digital assistance and that doesn't happen in a lot of agencies in Hollywood. I mean, how many agencies have digital divisions now? Very few, right? Uh, Yeah. A few. And I think three, Probably around there. And I think the bigger thing though is like- They're junior. They only started like last year. They're behind the eight ball. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, lip service where it's like, oh, if you're signed at our agency, yeah, all these different departments are going to work on your behalf. Whereas at A3, I really feel that way. Mm -hmm. I really, because I've seen the success stories. I've seen what we've been able to do. But it really feels like if you sign with A3, you're going to get all those departments actually working for you. Um, whereas it feels like on, in other places that doesn't, we might say that, but it doesn't really feel that way. No, we get that. Yeah. Well, this is amazing to chat and catch up. Thank you so much, Jade. So much great information. Yeah, this was so fun. I would definitely want to do this again with a drink next time. Yes, Yes. (laughs) why didn't we have cocktail hour? Oh, it's a bit early. That's probably why. Next time we'll have to do it closer to five, be a little bit more legitimate. Again, during a pandemic, any time is a good time to start. (laughs) 